0: Welcome to For The Record. I have Dennis Kennedy on our podcast. I'm super excited because everybody knows Dennis uh, just because of everything that he's done from estate planning and tax attorney to director in legal tech, to IP attorney, to VP senior counsel at MasterCard, to adjunct professor at MSU, and now an advisor in law, legal tech, and strategy. Dennis, thank you so much for joining us today on our series on reinvention and innovation.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about this. It's, I'm so happy to get the invitation uh, from you. And uh, this, uh, as we talked before the podcast is uh, with COVID, this is a perfect time to think about reinvention.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So tell me about your story of reinvention. I
1: sort of feel that, uh, that reinvention, sometimes you look at your career and you realize that all the stuff you were making up as you went along, there was actually a story thread that you don't realize till later. And I think that as we, as we kind of did the preliminaries for this, I realized that the reinvention actually is a a theme, even though I typically wouldn't use, use that word because it kind of got over, uh, it got used a lot about 10 years ago, uh, you know, reinvent law, reinvent IP. There was like all these all these things <laughs> happening, which were actually really exciting. They just yeah. kind, of, kind of fizzled out. But I think we're at a point again where we can do that. So I think that if I go back and I look at my career and all the things I've done, there is this notion of, of reinvention. I sort of feel that, you know, there's this word polymath that probably does apply to me. So I started out in college and I was going to be a a math major. And then in in the middle of my junior year with one English class under my belt, I decided to become an English major. And then then I went to law school and then, you know, I, I did different things. So sometimes it surprises people when they say, well, you've done all this stuff in tech. You know, but that comes easy to you. And I go, well, I was actually kind of an English major. You know, it's just like (laughs) what I'm really good at is learning. So it's kind of I my reinvention kind of goes like what interests me the most? How can I align my work in better ways with what most interests me? And. I do think that reinvention uh, is is a better word to describe it. Sometimes when I, if I'm interviewing for a job or something, I always am afraid that somebody's going to look at my resume and say, "Well, it looks like you stay at certain things for oh about five to ten years, and then you do something different." And and so part of when I when I interview, I say I need to turn that from a perceived weakness into a strength. Uh, now, you, which is- you
0: definitely have that ability to actually have a thread through all of your past career choices. When you first started um, and you passed the bar exam, did you want to become an estate planning and tax attorney, or what, you know, what did you want to do with your legal career?
1: Well, that was in 1983, which was uh, one of the the real dry spells in the economy for Mm -hmm. lawyers. And I had Mm -hmm. decided to to move from uh, Virginia, where I was at, uh, to St. Louis, Missouri where I had some friends and I just wanted to say like I, I want to go to a new city and try something new and see what happens with it mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so I was out of the hiring cycle and so when I passed the bar I was just <laughs> interested in finding a job but to the extent that I I considered what I was going to do I was interested in computer law because I took one mm-hmm. of the first computers and law seminars uh, in the country of at Georgetown but there weren't many computer companies at the time where people people doing that. And I took a class in business planning, which I really loved, a very practical Mm. class. And I Mm -hmm. had the sense I wanted to do that. But I also felt I wanted to put myself in a position where I could learn a new uh, city that I was living in, learn the legal community, you know, build a network. And then I wanted to rule out in a way Uh, some traditional legal paths. So looking back, I had this idea that it would be cool to clerk for a judge or judges. And so uh, as luck would have it, there was an opportunity to clerk at the state trial court when I came to St. Louis. And I was able to to get that job and spent some time there for like almost no money, but I learned like, all kinds of stuff, had great mentors with judges, met all kinds of lawyers, uh, You know, worked down the hall from the, the first black mayor of, mm. uh, of, of St. Louis. And mm-hmm. so people would always say like, you're not even from St. Louis and you know all these people. And I go, well, that was kind of part of my plan. And and that helped me kind of rule out uh, uh, taking a litigation path, uh, which was kind of what I wanted to do by taking that route was to to say, it seems like lawyers do litigation. I'm not sure that's the right thing for me. Maybe I can get a better understanding of what that means and make a better decision about it.
0: Interesting. So how did you transition then to become the director in Legal Tech?
1: So... Uh, what I did, so a well, lot of things for me comes down to uh, basically it's like September nineteen ninety five. So I was working, mm-hmm. uh, you know, had moved to a, a medium sized firm, fifty lawyers. In September nineteen ninety five was when Windows ninety five was announced, and mm-hmm. I took the day off. And <laughs> this is like a crazy thing that I mm-hmm. uh, I went to the uh, the announcement event in st louis so they talked about what windows 95 was going to do the internet and i kind of drove home from that kind of in a fog like i think mm-hmm. I even missed my exit i was like <laughs> oh my god this is the thing the internet is the thing um this is the most important thing that's going to happen in my lifetime mm-hmm. and i've missed the boat on it i need to do something about it and so Basically, the next day, I decided to create a website uh, on estate planning. So I was one of the first lawyers uh, with the website. And I said, you know, I I want to go in that direction. And so...
0: So essentially, you were an innovator in in law even back then, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's weird because I look back and I go, when I went to do estate planning, uh, one of the first things I did, and this would have been, let's say, 19... Ninety, maybe a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, I I put together a document assembly application for, say, planning documents. You know, so when people talk about oh, document automation, I go, well, you know, I I hate to be like the old guy in the room, but <laughs> I, I kind of did this 30, thirty years ago, and yeah. it was totally cool then, and it's totally yeah. cool now. Um, mm-hmm. So I did that and I said, I really like what I'm doing. I like the people that I have, you know, very important mentor in my life was a partner of, of, of mine in the, in the law firm I was at. And I said, mm-hmm. but i like to, I saw that uh, the estate planning work that I was doing was... Being circumscribed in a lot of ways as accountants and other professionals took away the fun parts of a sophisticated estate planning practice. Mm. So I Mm -hmm. said, can I move myself closer to the internet and do something new? And I had started writing a technology column for Lawyers Weekly USA. And I said, can I kind of follow the legal tech path? Interesting you know move away from estate planning to something that was more aligned with where my interests were and i'd already discovered at the time that i had this ability to uh, communicate uh in really good ways uh, about technology with lawyers and others through writing speaking those those sorts of things
0: that's kind of interesting i i just wanted to just kind of interject something because i think it's a it's a big it's a big thing, especially given a lot of attorneys that are questioned, especially now with COVID, like what their career paths are. And you've done so many things while you were learning about legal tech um, and practicing at the same time. It just, you know, how was that transition from from changing from what you've been doing t- into legal tech and beyond as you kind of went along?
1: Yeah, so, so what I... I did was I actually got help. And so mm-hmm. I, I mm-hmm. said, I think I know the direction I wanna go. And I sometimes I used to talk about, you can either like a, a one-step change in your career path or a two-step change. So mm-hmm. you could say, well, like, I want to stay a lawyer, but do technology law. So that would mm-hmm. be the one step. The other thing is to say, I want to do technology, but I don't wanna do law. I wanna do technology and something else. Mm-hmm. And so my first uh, attempt was to say like, oh, I can do legal tech consulting. Uh, You know, so I tried that for a little bit. Uh, You know, long story short, that didn't quite worked the way that we had planned. Mm-hmm. And uh, people were, kept asking me whether I would do uh, like technology law, internet things, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I had the opportunity to go to a very large firm in St. Louis and and uh, explore that route. But I used a career counselor. I put a lot of time and effort into it because I was walking away from a partnership at a very prestigious law firm to wow. try something new. Uh, and I wanted to make sure that I was doing The right thing so that career counseling has been really helpful to me in uh you know determining what was important to me um and what i wanted to try to do Mm -hmm. and and then to execute on that Uh, so a lot of things go back to that
0: were you scared at all when you went from something that's a sure thing to something that you're really interested in and how did you take that leap into doing what you really wanted to do and feeling confident about that um because i know your next career path was an ip law and then a mastercard you know
1: yeah so I, th- I think there's a couple things so i'm one of uh one of those people who, who say uh if i if if i move myself down the road you know 10 20 years whatever well i look back on this and Regret that I hadn't tried something. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was part of it. I said, "Yeah, I, I kind of will regret that uh, this whole internet thing was happening, and I didn't, I couldn't say I was involved in some, you know, in some, some fashion with it." Mm-hmm. So that was part of it. But yes, yeah, to- all this stuff is totally scary. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's like. Yeah, it's in a way you're going like, hey, wait, I, I have this uh, this partnership. It's great. You know, people like me. They let me do what I'm doing. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's a comfortable life. But like I said, there is kind of two things. There's one thing that was really pulling me, the internet. And I was just also seeing that this whole field, everything that was interesting to me was going to be taken away uh, wow. by the other the other associated uh, professions, and which I, th- which I think is is the it, it, that was borne out, um, and uh, you know, so it just seemed like a good time. You know, I, was, I think I was about to turn forty, so like a lot of things came together. Mm-hmm. You know, I said, well, if not now, then will I ever? Will I ever do it? But yeah, totally scary. um And I still look back on some days, going like, "You're know, like, oh my god, what was, what in the world was I thinking?" You know.
0: But it so. sounds like you made a really good decision because you took a big step into a career uh, path into IP law, and then you went to MasterCard where you are on the forefront of innovation all this time, right? During your time there, it seemed like digital payments were coming to fruition and FinTech was you know rapidly changing with digital wallets and technology be- becoming a central part of the payments industry.
1: Yeah, it was kind of like this great. Uh, again, looking back now, it was like the like a perfect situation for me because I, I had these. I I sometimes think that um, although it was IP, I usually consider it as is more information technology law. But I really focused on licensing that that side of of IP and a lot of technology stuff. So when I went to to Mastercard, it was. Uh, you know, everything that was happening in the data center, the main data center where I, where I worked. Um, and, and it just allowed me to, to dig into a lot of areas that were really interesting to me, like open source licensing, open source software, uh, you know, all these new technologies. And then the last few years I went to a group called digital payments and labs. Um, and I got to work on mobile wallets, blockchain, financial inclusion, you know, all, all this stuff, this, Totally fascinating, um, and uh, I really aligned with it, and so, and so it was cool to kind of practice at a very very high level. Really great progressive organization, lots of opportunities to learn, global, diverse, like everything. You know, younger, everything. Uh, I mean, so much for me was good there, and I I stayed ten years, uh, or ten or twelve years. And a lot of my friends said, we can't believe you stayed that long because we, <laughs> didn't, we thought you would last like in a, like a corporate environment, like two years, you know? Right. And certainly no more than five. Uh, but right. I liked it, and then I kind of hit, hit the wall, had the, I reached this point where I sort of felt like, as you said, FinTech, blockchain, all these things were happening so fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I felt like I was in slow motion, mm-hmm. you know, being at a big company, even one as close to the, in some ways, as close to the center as MasterCard was. So it was, it was like, I had the opportunity to take early retirement, kids to move uh, to a place that, you know, to a new place because I wanted to, to leave St. Louis. Uh, and I talked my wife into it. It was like, well, this is like a good opportunity, opportunity to do that. And that's totally scary, too. You know, I'm not saying I like to like put a lot of fear into my life, but from time to time that happens. And right then again, I took my time and I'll you know, circle back to this notion of career coaching or career counseling, but I had the opportunity to work uh, on an online coaching basis with someone named Whitney Johnson who wrote this incredible book called Disrupt Yourself. And um, that was really helpful to me uh, to making the exit that I was making into mm-hmm. setting up my next move, uh, which is one of those things that I would say there was a lot of luck that came with. This last move, but uh, there's a lot of preparation. You know, I put myself in a place where what I'm doing now makes total sense, even though it was not what I came here to do.
0: Right. So it seems like reinvention seems to be a core theme with every career move you've made. Like, how have you taken the leap from one? one career choice to the next to the next, because now you're an adjunct professor at MSU, um, the interim director for Center of Law, Technology and Innovation, and the executive director of Kennedy Idea Propulsion Labs. So, you know, taking that leap into going from in-house to, you know, back into a university, so to speak, and then also be an entrepreneur with your own lab uh, for innovation is is a huge step. Again, um, and it just seems like you've made huge steps throughout your career. So, so tell me about that.
1: Yeah, I think that you know, th- there's a lot of thought that goes into the things I do, and and sometimes you know it takes a long time. Uh, it seems like it takes a long time because people sometimes ask my wife and, and me about uh, why did you move to Ann Arbor? Like why would you move north where it's colder? And I would say, uh, you know, well, I always wanted to live in a great university town. We're two hours away from my dad. It's a great health system, all, you know, sports, you know, food, all, all of these things. And then after a while people <laughs> came, I can't believe the number of people come back to to me and said, you know, I was thinking about this, you know, you're moving to Ann Arbor, like you put a lot of thought into that, and I'm like, right? You think? I mean, like, <laughs> we just kind of said, like, let's just throw a dart on the map and and go. Um, so I I think there's uh, you know part of it is effort, uh, and you know the fact that I want to learn a lot and you know try try new things. The other thing is I think that this this reinvention, you know, as you describe it. And as I look back at some of the things that I do, Whitney Johnson has says this great thing that there's a lot of a lot of times you have these superpowers that you don't you yourself don't appreciate. Mm-hmm. And she mm-hmm. says it's like what are the things that people compliment you on like routinely and you sort of wave the hand at and go like, Oh, you know, anybody can do that, you know, whatever, you know, like, um, Mm -hmm. and if you kind of step back, you will see those things. And I'm like, Oh, I, I used to say like, I admire people who like, just like try new things and go new places and start new things. And I'm like, Hey, wait, I'm, I'm kind of that person, you know? Mm -hmm. And then there are other things where you say, well, anybody can write know, published article, anybody can do public speaking, anybody can start a new technology, anybody can learn these things, you know, and that was sort of my thing is like, hey, I, I've always been able to learn things. And it takes a lot of work, but I just do it. And then I said, well, that's kind of an unusual thing. Maybe that's like part of a superpower. But I think Mm -hmm. that 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 transition thing to say, like, oh, I can do something for a period of time. And then I need to do something something else. And so, uh, one more Whitney Johnson references, but she talks about the S curve in your personal life. So you start out and you don't know anything, and then you go up the S, and life is things become really exciting, and you feel really, you know, you're learning, you become good at things, and then you reach this point where the S at the top flattens out, and then that's where it becomes possible to burn out or to Mm. just kind of. You know just getting in this weird steady state and what she says at that, that point is is that people who do well jump to a new s curve which means you put yourself back at the beginner stage where it does become really scary because you don't know as much as you used to but you get energized because you're like moving up s curves and i see that s curve thing also that's part of my thinking and i see that in my own career as well and that's a business idea that, that she applied to people and i just I, I, it just has always intrigued me.
0: Yeah, no, that sounds, that sounds really interesting to me as well. And I am kind of curious, like if you looked back on your life and your, you know, your first steps in your career, do you think that you'd end up where you're at now versus where you started? What type of advice would you give your, I guess, you know, 20 year old self?
1: Well, I, I think it's going to be a variation of what I tell a lot of my students. It's just like, you know, in your first job, odds are you're not going to get it right and you're not going to stay in that first job forever. I mean, I saw somebody recently on LinkedIn who was celebrating their 41st anniversary at a large law firm. Like, I, I think that's a total unicorn these days, mm-hmm. right? Like, who's going to see that? So it's like, it's okay to make a choice and learn things. And then I would say that Uh, what you really want to find in your first, especially your first jobs is a mentor. Mm -hmm. And um, that's a trial and error process, but there are some ways that you can accelerate that. So that's always say to people. And then I look at, you know, what I did at MasterCard. I said, you know, MasterCard has all these incredible education opportunities. Like Mm -hmm. I need to take advantage of that. Um, And so I say like, what can I learn from this? Who can I meet? How can I network, uh, you know, those sorts of things. How can I take advantage of this? Which I think is a, a you know a more difficult thing uh, for older people than for younger people. Who I think it's that's more in their DNA to say like, you know, if I stay two three years in a job, that's a long time, and I need to be thinking about the next move and stuff like that, as opposed to uh, you know finding that one dream job and staying there f- forever. Which you know in the times of COVID, economic difficulties, other things there's no guarantee that that dream job you found, that that employer is going to be around, you know? So. exactly.
0: um, Exactly. That's, I kind of feel the same way. I'm I'm seeing even a lot of our staff just go to, you know, roles that they want to, that'll actually further their life dream now. So it's, it's, it's definitely a different, you know, different environment from a work perspective. Absolutely. Um, especially since you've done so many different things, do you see any commonalities in the different roles that you've had? Um, and does it track with the initial goals that you had set out to, to actually have for your for your legal career?
1: Well, I, I sort of feel like my, uh, I've been trying to, uh, recover from not having much of a plan at the beginning, right? You know, so it's like, oh, I just kind of, I'll do what's fun. I'll do what's interesting. Uh, you know, uh, I, I would like to work with these people. Yeah. Um, so, so now I, I say, well, I, I do start to see some things that, you know, that I would try or that have been you know, sort of themes that I've found. And so, um, one is I like to be in really new areas. I love being in a legal space where there's nothing else out there, right? So, like, if you, like, if, if, If we're doing something on a blockchain in Uganda for education, uh, financing, uh, for MasterCard, there's no, I'm not going to go to the law books and, and know exactly what the answer is. Mm -hmm. And so I Mm -hmm. like that. That's some of the classes I'm teaching now, um, really dig into this. Okay. So what happens when, um, you're in an area, I just taught a class on cybersecurity, um, we don't know exactly what the law is. You know, like how do you advise people? What are clients looking for? And um, you know, how can you really help people in in ways where you're not saying no? And and some of that comes from the tax work I did where I was like thing that's really cool about, and and it's their creative spaces, each of the places I've been in. So I would say like in tax law, you're saying like, okay, there's sort of this range of things that you can do, that you can advise a client to do. And depending on their risk tolerance, you can be more conservative, less conservative, but even very conservative, you could do some super creative things because of the way that you, know, cause you have a different set of constraints. And so that, that I like, and I sometimes talk about uh, law at its best being a creative uh, profession. Got it. And so I like that. The other thing I found over time, um, it took me a while to admit this, was, uh, you know, sometime maybe like 20 years ago, I had a bunch of articles published and, you know, all these other things. And I said, you know what? Today I've decided I'm no longer a lawyer who writes, I'm a writer who also practices law. And so there, that, so I've kind of honored that creative element of mine and say, like, oh, not everybody can write in the same way, and the people who were telling me like I was a great writer and all that stuff had something, you know, was, uh, that I have something that's a little bit different than what mm. other people have. And so I, I think there were, you know, those things that the translation piece of, of law, So like it was MasterCard where I was the one who could go talk to the technology people, the business people, the legal things, and kind of kind of interpret. Um, and I liked that to be able to, you know, help people get on the same page and and make actual decisions and i'd say the big thing for me working in-house at mastercard was to be involved in a project from beginning to end and Mm -hmm. see it succeed was super Mm -hmm. cool uh in ways that you don't get uh When you're in private practice and, you know, in estate planning, it's kind of a weird thing where you can do something like really super creative and stuff. And then you have to wait for people to die before you you know whether it really worked.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I totally get it thank you for sharing with us. I I have a couple of additional questions, but the first one was, especially since you're kind of at the forefront of law, legal tech, and innovation, like what do you see happening now? And, you know, are there any commonalities with what you saw with the payments industry for the legal industry?
1: Yeah, I, I think there are. I, I mean, I think that uh, I, I sort of Feel like in traditional law, um, we're the one profession that's looking to go back to pre COVID days. And so I think that (laughs) there Mm -hmm. will come a point where the pressure to go backwards will be really strong and we'll see a step back in all of technology and all of innovation. In the practice, you know, with with some outliers, of course, um, and then I th- I think it's likely we'll see that doesn't sustain, and I think this new generation of lawyers is going to drive that, um, and I, I really am of the belief that like a, hey, uh, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to retire and why I like doing teaching is like. A, we we kind of mess things up, but and the people who can get us out of the problems we're in are the young people. So let's get right. out of their way and and help them, you know, And that's yeah. why you know, things like diversity, all those things are important to me uh, because that's the mindsets it's going to kind to change the world for the better but I think that we're going to see this decentralization you know what we saw at MasterCard was this movement away from cash and checks to different things to you know uh, digital payments that we take f- for granted now you know like it is cool to go to a store and pay for your groceries with uh, with your watch you know yeah it um, is and yeah, so. it's
0: very convenient and it, when you're in China all you do is do digital payments and that's it Mm-hmm. Right.
1: And that, that global aspect where you say, uh, what we've accomplished and what was accomplished in the financial industry is really that I can travel anywhere and I can, you know, I don't have to cake cash i don't have to change currency i like have a piece of plastic and now maybe just my phone and i basically can interact you know and and you know pay for things and do all of that so uh, and there took a lot it took a lot of uh, removing friction moving things forward and i think that law right now is a, a big source of friction like mm-hmm. across the board from the court systems to regulatory to everything else like everything that we try to do that's legal or even quasi-legal it just seems like it's so difficult to do. Like anybody who's uh, bought a house recently, all they talk about is like, oh my God, I had to like fax things and I had these papers and you know, like it didn't make sense and I had to go find a notary, like all these things. You go like, doesn't make sense. And it doesn't make sense when you're in a pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So so I, th- I think we'll see that and I, I so I think the, what will happen, I think what's, some of the stuff is happening. So like the new entrepreneurial lawyers, I think so much happening in the, the access to justice space and um, some interesting things happening at the very high end as well, but uh, that will gradually filter through. But I think it's going to be a tough, very tough time for the legal profession. Um, and I'm not, like if people are asking to make predictions. I'm sort of overall kind of bearish on what we'll see over the next couple years. But over the next five to 10 years, I'm actually pretty bullish. Uh, But I think there's going to be that step backwards.
0: Well, no, that's that's great to hear your predictions when it comes to these kinds of things. And now, you know, kind of in our last moments, are there any words that you'd love to share, um, any words of wisdom about the process of reinvention and innovation that would help um, those who are trying to figure out what to do as their next steps?
1: Yeah, so I think there's a couple of things. So one is to be, and this is really hard, be willing to ask for help. That's why I look to the the career coach, career counseling thing. Uh, Another thing is take time for yourself. Um, and so I do this new thing that I kind of cooked up called personal quarterly offsites where I take some time, I take half a day and I just pay attention to this, my personal planning and what's important to me. And I. Do a number of exercises that change from time to time, and it helps me just rethink what I what I'm doing. And the other the other thing is, I think right now with the Great Resignation, with all the uncertainty, it, this is like the time if you want to make a change. Um,
0: now the time to it's, do it. <laughs> now
1: is the time. And I, you know, I was I was looking when I talk to the students, the one thing that just like bugs their eyes out is when I talk about associates at big firms like. Bill 3,000 hours or plus, or that's almost the expectation now. And I'm like, I don't even know how people can do that. And, you know, people basically don't want to do that. So they're willing to say, can I do something different? Can I create legal products? Can I, you know, start my own firm? Can I go to a legal tech company? All these things. And that's at the center at MSU. That's one of the things. That I like to focus on because there is a, a track record of people going into these different careers, and there's so many lawyers who've left to do something I would call legal adjacent or something just a little different, and they're so much happier. Um,
0: absolutely,
1: uh, so absolutely. It's just a time of great, you know, <laughs> great uncertainty, great possibility, and uh, you know, to go back to the the point we had, uh, you know, it is scary dang it, it's yeah. scary out there. So um,
0: Yeah. And life is what you make of it, right? There's a right? lot of opportunity. So,
1: yeah. So yeah, I think it's better to, to kind of try things rather than to let things happen to you. But that, it's easy to, to say that. Um, and so one of the things I did uh, last week when I did my personal quarterly offsite was I like to do this, you pick one to three words for your year. And actually, the reinvention thing uh, is kind of interesting as a word. But I the word I think I'm going to settle on is rebalance. And so I sort of feel like I have some balance, but it's not quite right. And so I think that's one thing that you can do right now is to say, I don't know that I need to do something drastic, but I do know that if I'm a human right now, I'm somewhat out of balance. So can I spend some time trying to figure out what that balance is? And that could mean a new job. It could mean, you know, something different. Um, And then it's just like, keep learning, keep learning, keep learning. You know, Um, that's the way you survive now.
0: Amazing. Well, thank you, Dennis, so much for your words of wisdom throughout this podcast and um, definitely appreciate you being on the show. Thank you so much.
1: Oh, it's so fun. It was like really uh, enlightening for me to, uh, you know, it's like one of those things when you hear yourself talking about yourself, you actually learn some new things. So (laughs) I'm really grateful to you and uh, I hope the audience enjoys it as well.
0: Thank you so much. You've been listening to For the Record. To hear more marketing tips, subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast streaming platform. To learn more about us, go to platform.com.